Blog Talk Radio.
good evening. This This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said, let's be the church. And truly, we are the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. And um, I'm excited to be with you today to share with you the word of God. I expect initially, and I'll say this and kind of date this message, but I expect there to be a lot more listens today due to the fact that we're um, snowed in in an area. But but um, if you are listening for the first time to this teaching, I would like to thank you for listening. It's always an honor to be able to share the word of God. And no, this is not a church, but we do we do do some things um, as far as studying the word of God that will really help you as the church. And so if you have a notebook, if you don't have a notebook, you want to get a notebook because I am going to go through scripture. I am going to review systematically some things uh, that um, I'm going to review some things systematically that will help you uh, with your walk with the Lord. Amen. And um, and then I also want to make certain that, you know, I always say this kind of funny. I, I use it as a joke. But if you were to keep track and record with us of, of the subjects that we're talking now, this particular on Sundays is not a um, teaching geared for novices, those who have never been into church. We do have teaching like that on Thursdays. We have very, very practical, but this is not practical. This is a lot more um, in-depth, um, especially the discussion that we're dealing with today. Um, if you've never been in the church, then... You, you possibly will have challenges with this particular teaching because you really have to be involved in it. Um, but um, uh, we're going to revisit some things that the Lord has shared with us and then um, go on from there. So I do, we're on a new topic, Rethink Church. And I want to give a healthy review because it's been a couple of weeks since we've shared this. Um, but thank you for listening to the broadcast. Let's pray and not delay. Let's get right into the word of God. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We do thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on that Holy Spirit, which is the educator and guide that gives me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It is in the gospel of, 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 of that we discover that the gospel is what makes us not ashamed. It is the power of God unto salvation. And because it is that power of God to salvation, the more we indulge into our salvation, we find out that we have an inheritance. And the inheritance is the authority that we possess through God's power that enables us to be the church of the living God. Peter was with Jesus, and Jesus had given Peter a mandate uh, 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 to take an observance on what he really had. You know, who do men say that I am? Since you're walking with me, who am I, he says. And uh, they answered, some say you are a liar. Some say you are this. Some say you are that. 
But Peter, by the Spirit of God, said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus recognizes that he got that revelation from what he was exposed to by the experiences that only God could, God could reveal. And that would be that he was the very Son of God. And upon that rock, the revelation in which Peter gained, um, he would build his church and the gates of hell should not prevail. Some people believe that that was the rock, the actual place where um, people used to do demonic worship. Scholars would tell you that it was an actual place where uh, Peter and them were standing at the time where where Jesus said, I would establish my church. And, of course, you know, Jesus established his church really after the manifestation of the church came upon the earth in the in the um in the in the acts or at in acts after the upper room of course and some people try to make the upper room in the place where Jesus was on that mountain the same place but we know those that are intelligent that it wasn't there. So and that it wasn't it wasn't physically. Of course Peter was the one who was to give the the great sermon that would activate the church. And, and particularly we know that in that particular one message, 3,000, once he was able to give an explanation after the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 were saved. That one message, they were converted. And then the scripture goes on to say that they continued in that particular conviction, and the church was added daily as such should be saved. So we, we, we know that it was the revelation that Peter had, Jesus being the Christ, because they spoke boldly. The apostles spoke boldly of the resurrection and gave great testimony of, of, of the things that they have seen. We are eyewitnesses, that which we have tasted and handled, that word of God. We, we preach it unto you who haven't had the experience. But Jesus said, listen, it's more blessed Remember when uh, Dowden Thomas was walking with him and um, and he had revealed himself after resurrecting uh, from the dead, revealed himself for 47 days after his resurrection to prove that he was alive and well to various people throughout Jerusalem and throughout Judea. They come together and the, all the, all the apostles are in the upper room and, 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 and Thomas said, I won't believe until I see. Jesus let him touch him, and then he said to Thomas, blessed are those who don't see yet believe. And so we see now a revolution that comes through belief, and that it is with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart who Jesus is, you shall be saved. Saved from what? The corruption that is in the world, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, you are now engrafted into the family of God. You are adopted because you have access and you have received atonement from your sins and you have been altered and anointed and empowered to achieve that which God has empowered you to achieve. You are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Who are you? I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What do you have? I've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness and the knowledge of him. What can you do? I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. Amen. And because you can, you can exist confidently as the church. The one that also ascended into the heavens from being raised from the dead, descended also first and, and, and dispersed 
by giving a sacrifice and an example and living before us a, a life that pleases God, that is set to obey the commands of God, that only did what his father said he would do. That life was the life that he wants to ascribe to each and every one that is called upon his name. And then he said, he, he his, his, let's go there, let's read it. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I was paraphrasing it, but the Holy Spirit said, why don't you just give them the foundation of it? I done ran you through half of the New Testament in less than 30 seconds, uh, but that's this type of teaching. Rethink church until we, until we receive that revelation. We're going to miss out on the advantages that we have as being the church. So we've coined this first series under this, reforming. Reforming perception to power. Reforming perception to power. The kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. Until we receive that power that transforms and transfigures and translates us into that very image, we're going to miss out on this, on this perception that comes as a result of being the church. So in Ephesians 4, when the apostle is 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 breaking down uh uh the 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 power that comes as a result of the church being realized the realizations that come as a result through Jesus Christ it says in verse 20 of chapter 3 it says now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us it's a power unto him be glory unto the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end, amen. So the church was always existed in a state of power. And then it says, in, in, um, uh, it describes that power in chapter 4, where it says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called. So not only do we find out that we have access to power, but we are called to obtain this power to operate in this power. We are called by God to to achieve this 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 power and the power is really being the church. Right? That you walk worthy of the vocation which you call with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Love, ever endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Of course you know the Holy Spirit is is the peace that he leaves according to John chapter 4. Um, so we know that the, the, the power of God is the peace of God. There's one body and, you, and one spirit. That's why he's, re, he's, he's reiterating what the power is right here. Even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto everyone that is given grace according to the measure of the gift of who? Christ. Now, we, we're talking about two measures here. The, the first measure is the measure of faith, which every man is given to achieve access to God through salvation. The second measure is the gift of Christ. Christ is not Jesus' is, Christ is not Jesus's last name, but it's the Holy Spirit. Of course, you know it's the Holy Spirit because it is what, what is called one body and one spirit, that ye are called in one hope of your calling. So the Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it is that power, that same power that causes us to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. 
because it works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ, by Christ, by Christ, by Christ Jesus. So Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it is a, is a coin phrase for the anointing, which is the power of God that removes and destroys burdens, but also builds and empowers the saints. Okay? So it says, but unto everyone has given us the grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So we have the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel at work through Jesus Christ or through the Holy Spirit that empowers us to make maintain our consistency. Then I went back to where I quoted earlier. Wherefore says when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captives, and what did he do? He gave gifts to men. Now he that ascended, what is he that also descended first with the lower parts of the earth? Right? He he did that first. So he came down first and then he went up. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above in the heavens that he might fulfill all things, right? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So now he gives gifts to the church. Of course, we know this confirms the gift of Christ that he's given to everyone that causes captivity, those who were captive, those who were caught up in the ways and the cares of this world to to come back to the things of God. And then he gives gifts. The purpose of giving those gifts are for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of what? Of Christ. So God expects us to be a people of power, right? And, and of course, this won't be, uh, be achieved until we come into the unity of the faith, until the knowledge of who? The Son of God. Don't you see how this connects back to Matthew chapter uh, 7, when the scripture uh uh, when the scripture confirms the event that took place where Paul, or rather Peter, stu- uh, stood before uh, the other apostles and said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was the core component to the edification of the building and the exalting of the body of Christ. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to break this down in a second, but I'm just giving a review of what we really covered in the first lesson. So it says, listen, you're going to be coming to the knowledge of the Son of God, and then you're going to be brought into a perfect man, which means a state of maturity, unto the measure, there we go about measuring, of the statue of the fullness of Christ. So that is why we're giving gifts, and gifts are dispersed among us, because once we were captive, but we have been made free, and it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that freedom requires a power, a source of power to sustain our freedom. And and in that, God gives us gifts through other people to help us recognize who we are as the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we come into the unity that comes through faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and the maturity unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the fullness of Christ. So we come into maturity through the fullness of Christ. So we indulge back into that power. What is that? What does that all require? It requires a perception. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12. And many times when you're studying Romans chapter 12, people isolate the first three verses. And they don't realize that there's more to the message. 
Because a lot of times we'll say, Trans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do you do that? You renew your mind by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, of course. The scripture lets us know that in future, in future texts in Colossians. But um, we also know that there's more to that lesson. And we need to go back to that lesson and kind of look at it as it relates to the church. And that's where the Lord sparked my attention about this rethinking church. See, we're, we're, we're in a culture and a complex where people don't really appreciate the value and the power of being called to be the church. As a result, we have a form of godliness, but we deny power because we're not experiencing what God has ordained to be the church. And he never expected the church to be reflected or represented without there being a undeniable proof that the church exists. Amen. So it's always been in the plan of God for us to be established in that place called power, that place called power. So we have to reform our perception of power. So when you hear this, that that it that that by the mercy of God that we present our bodies living sacrifices holy acceptable unto God, which is what? Reasonable. And and not to conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We know that that can't be done until we come into power. So now we've seen power given in three different dimensions. The measure of faith. Faith to believe and achieve based on what we've confessed with our mouth. We've seen it through the measure of Christ, which then make, makes it possible for us through the Holy Spirit to receive the gifts and then to grow from the gifts that we receive. But then now we see it here through the transformation of our perception or the transformation based on the renewing of the mind. And and when, when, when that takes place, an inward awareness, an inward uh, change that takes place, we know that's based on the grace of God. Now let's read verse 3 and keep, keep going. For, for I say through the grace given me that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man, what? The measure of faith, right? For as many as we have many members in one body are all members, not in the same office. So we being many are one in the body of Christ, and every member and every one members one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace given us. Whether it be prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth um, on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, not with diligence, or with, ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let us love. Um, let love, there's that power, be without di- Disillumination, uh, uh, disillumination. 
Arbor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another brotherly, with brotherly love and and preferring one another, not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing um, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Sound like we got directives of what to be as the church. Distributing to, ne- to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless them uh, and curse not. Rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend with men of low estate. Be wise, be not wise in thy own conceits. Recompense not um, to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And if it be possible as much, lie if, um, um, much as lieth in you, live peaceably. Live in that power of the Holy Spirit with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give, um, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy um, hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals or fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, right? But overcome evil with good. Now, people think that that's over just because the chapter is over. But remember, chapters were inserted by uh, by people several years after the scripture was written. Here, Here is the responsibility toward the church to be transformed. To be, of course, you know, in chapter 11, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how the understanding, um, how unsearchable are his judgments, his ways, his pathfinding. For who hath the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Of course, it's talking about who can who can hold what we have. For of him and through him and and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now that gives a challenge to us. We have the mind of Christ. That's what this scripture reveals later in the uh, or, or earlier in the text. <laughs> but the scripture doesn't end at verse twenty-one. It continues. Let every soul be subject unto what higher powers. For there is no powers that be ordained, um, that be ordained, that are that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinances of God. Now this must be talking about the power that he's that he's been speaking of since verse tw- uh, the, since verse uh, chapter twelve. And of course, you know those that know scripture in context. This is part of the Roman Church was part of of the prophetic declaration of of true restoration to Israel, that it wouldn't be as the sake of a natural or natural national reflection on their culture, but it would be based on the reformation of a perception that that comes to the cleansing and the renewing of the mind through Christ. So of course, it's speaking nationally. It's a national. Uh, it's a national text. Romans was written to the elite. 
It was a listen to the Jews that were in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was the seat of power at the particular time. So is the church. And so we glean for the letters that were written to the church because the church was always destined to give influence in the particular areas that had dominance or exuded power because we were never sent or never placed in the earth realm not to exist because it is the power of God that keeps us out of sin. It is the power of God that establishes us as the church. It is the power of God that enlightens us to to the reformation and the grace that we that we stand in. Okay? So so this power doesn't change into just, you know, because I've heard a lot of people preach, you know, when they go into dealing with the the ordinances, it says the powers be are ordained of God. And if you resist the ordinances of God, where do the ordinances take place? In the church. Okay? So this is talking about church. This is talking about the pe- the place where we receive power. If you resist, shall receive themselves damnation. You only do that when you don't discern the Lord's body. Go back to 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Remember, not discerning the Lord's body when you come and break bread and you heap it upon yourself, you become selfish, you miss out on communion, right? What is that? It's a, it's a covenant of the fellowship, the promises, and the unity of the spirit that we have through the bond of peace. The bond of peace is the power of God, all right? Now, I'm, I'm saying this because I'm charging your perception. Some of you go to churches every week after week, and you have not experienced this power that I'm talking about. You haven't experienced the reforming effect of the power. And if it can't reform your perception, Lord knows you're not going to empower your performance. Rethink church. You know, we have we can religiously categorize our attendance and our participation in the churches that we go to without taking a true reflection of whether or not, glory to God, I sense the Holy Ghost and I sense the popping of minds in the spirit. Uh, but um, we, we, can, we can religious, we can, uh, we can create a religion and not a relationship. And this is this is this is because of the way the word has been taught. We've we've dumbed it down to where it's not applicable because it's so trite, it's not relevant. We we talk uh, to people like they're third graders. I was listening to a preacher the other day, and I said, "You just stupefy the message. You just make it so stupid that it's not relevant." I mean, you know, you you're saying things, you know, here here, do this. That's not a, that's not insight. And as a result, you have an illiterate church that don't understand that the church was always fashioned to be introduced and to be governed and to be existing in a superior force of power. Unity is a force of power. Do you get what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit, the measure of faith, is a force of power. The gift of Christ is a force of power. Do you get what I'm saying? And, and that power comes from you not conforming to the ways of the world. That power comes from you proving what is that uh, that is acceptable to the will of God, which is your reasonable service. That power comes as a result of you being and exercising the strength and the fortitude of being the church. So here it's not talking about higher powers in the world. It's talking about higher powers in the church. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Would thou then be afraid of them, uh, 
of the power. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do not um, do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he also is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must, um, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, higher powers, at attending, attending continually upon the very thing, render therefore to all uh, all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another, for he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law, for thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, if there be any other covet it Excuse me, it is briefly comprehended in this, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And it goes on to another attribute of this power. Well, let's keep reading because I want you to hear this. The night is far spent. Well, it says now this, and that knowing that the time that is now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. This is talking about the church. This is a letter to the church. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in the sight in um as in the day, not rioting in drunkenness, not in chambering wantonness and strife and envying. But put ye on it says, listen, verse fourteen is so powerful. If you got Jesus, put him on. Put ye on the Lord Jesus. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So this whole principle here in Romans chapter twelve, the address to the church is a, is addressed to the church about the power we possess, not only through the transformation of mind, but through the measure of faith and the gift of Christ, to embody our convictions. We are in this lesson. Reforming our perception to power. Reforming our perception to power. I've been reading several articles about the state of church for years and how in the last in the last few minutes of my of my commentary, and we'll pick this up next week. This is just the introduction. I've just, just gone over um Romans twelve, three through twenty one. I I highlighted and referenced uh for you uh, for you, Romans, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Of course, you know that's where the call, and then we may go to Matthew chapter 7. And then I I, I definitely want to give you for reference, the, let me give you the five theological convictions of this particular teacher. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 21. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. Matthew 7, 1 through 29. Now, if you read these by next week, you'll you'll really be able to pick up, up with us, okay? I'm going to give a little outline that helps us kind of understand where we're going. Um, and we're just awake. Um, we're just we're just hitting the surface of this today. 
um, through that one context. I wanted to give a, a, a depiction in, in the scripture that we've never seen the church without power. So if our perception builds a construct around a church without power today, then we're not really reflecting the, the church that was presented to us in the scripture. And that requires us to reexamine or to rethink church. Okay. And the reason why we're doing this is because we want to reform our perception to power. That's that's our first that's our first thing. We want to make sure we're perceiving what God thinks about his church and why God built his church. If you could do things in the flesh to exist and examine yourself as a church, he would not want to grow you. He would not want to give you things supernaturally, supernaturally impart things, give you a part of his divine nature if you had it in your nature. So we are partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, right? And God has given us gifts so that we can pull upon our spiritual DNA to achieve and actualize this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. But we got to know the word. We have to know what the word says about the church in order to really exist as the church. And so is the word of God and the revelation of the word of God that be, that becomes this this revolutionary uh, push to rethink church. So we, we find our five scriptures are Romans 12, 3 through 21, Matthew 16, 13 through 19, Matthew 7, 1 through, 1 through 29, Colossians 1, 9 through 18, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through uh, 21, and then Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. All right. I got five minutes. Praise the Lord. In reading a lot of, uh, there's some great articles out there. I'm not going to tell the author this week. I will tell the author throughout the teaching. But I like um, this particular one because, um, as I, as I was saying before, and we'll conclude in Romans chapter 1, um, as I was saying before, this author really, this the author that I'm, I'm going to reference, uh, really hones in on whether we really are exemplifying what, what we see as the church. Um, and, um, and it gives some, some great discussion as to why, uh, why people really are not exemplifying the church. There's one particular article that gives 12 signs as to why um, th- that young, it says young, um, young pastors and leaders make. And I think it's, whether you're a pastor or not, I think it's, it's, it's true um, too, as to why. And I'm going to give you six of them today, and then we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up. Um, because we got we we really got to run, um, but let me give you really the 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 five reformers, um, the five great reformers of what I've been talking about, and um, the first lesson I dealt with redemption. Redemption was the route which released the power needed to exist as the church. That was number one. Redemption was the power, or was the route rather, which released the power needed to exist as the church. That was number one. Redemption was the route which released the power needed to exist as a church. Number two was revelation becomes the catalyst. 
to experiencing the full effect of what it means to be the church. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Flesh and blood, Barjona, did not not give this to you. But upon that rock I built my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. What will not prevail? What, What will the gates of hell not prevail against the revelation that you've, that you've discovered in your experiences with me. So revelation becomes the catalyst of experiencing the full effect of what it means to be the church. And, and you know this because and, um, after all of the things that he went through, yes, he denied Jesus. Yes, he ran away. Yes, he cussed somebody out. But when it came time to establish the church, who was their first preacher? This is that which was spoken by Isaiah. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You know, it it says, you know, it goes on, and it gives one of the greatest messages, Acts chapter 2, of course, and that's because the revelation became the catalyst of experiencing the full effect. It was a revelation. Of course, the revelation, whenever a revelation is a catalyst, there there is a, there is a release of power when revelation takes place, okay? So that's number two. Number three is remembering what Christianity or what Christ taught is around which the gospel is proclaimed through the kingdom and the kingdom of is revealed. So we're going to deal with that. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus teach? We're going to talk about that. And I'm just giving you an overview of what we're going to really break down, and we really have only today kind of hit um, and it's so in-depth that we've only hit kind of revelation becoming the catalyst to experiencing the full effect. But then there are two more aspects of it, and that is renewing the mind to awaken the reality of existing in Christ. And that's that's a factor that we must learn. And then fifthly, we got to review priorities as to what reforms the church and return to the seat of power. So in this lesson, that's what that's what I want to uh, go over. That's the that's the that's the primary construct of this of this of this discussion. But like I said, there was an article that I read that says, you know, common mistakes that we make. We assume that we are the church. That's one of the biggest 